Walking in the Spirit, Part 1, The Warfare. Christian life. Paul calls it a noble fight. In Timothy 1, 1 Timothy 1, 18 and 19, This command I entrust to you, Timothy, fight the noble fight, keeping faith and a good conscience. Now that's a noble fight right there. Keeping faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected and suffered shipwreck in regard to their faith. Of course, you know, many people are fighting today over all kinds of things. But Christians have a noble fight if we're willing to take part. It's actually part of a larger cosmic warfare. And we have a part to play in that larger cosmic warfare. We see in Revelation chapter 12, there was war in heaven and the great dragon was thrown down to the earth. The serpent of old who is called the devil and Satan and his angels were thrown down with him. Now, Christians were part of that uh, victory, by the way. If you'll read carefully there in Romans chapter 12, included with the victory of Michael and his angels as they fought this war with Satan himself, were those who overcame by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their life unto death. And because they were faithful, they were part of that victory. If we will be faithful fighting here on earth, the Lord can bind and loose things in heaven that are marvelous for us to even think about. In fact, the victory, this final victory, has been assured. We note these scriptures talking about the Lord Jesus. In Matthew 22, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies beneath your feet. Our God is going to put every enemy under the feet of the Lord Jesus, and he tells the Lord this is so. In 1 Corinthians 15:25, Paul puts it this way, For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. Jesus must reign. But also notice in Romans 16, 20, we have a part in this whole footstool process of bringing things under the feet of our Lord Jesus because it says the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Now that's really an incredible something to think about. You and I have part of the warfare uh, as God leads us in this whole cosmic thing that's going on right now. In the meanwhile, we're on earth and the battle is raging. And uh, I think you can appreciate more and more how much of a spiritual battle is really going on upon this earth. The souls of all mankind, that's the battlefield. The Spirit has come down to help in the battle and the Lord has his army of the called, the chosen, and the faithful. This is exactly what's going down in terms of that which is important right now. We may think all kinds of things are important. Will the stock market go back? Will I have a job if I get out of school? And all this kind of stuff. But there's much more important things going on right now having to do with destinies and warfares and all such like. There's three fronts of this noble warfare that we're called to fight in. The capturing out of this world of those who are seeking for a Savior and a King. Now there's many who want to know the Lord, but somebody needs to tell them how. Somebody needs to capture them out of the world 
It's like one of those games where you capture the flag, only this is the souls of men. There's also the building of a citadel, the church, in which a bride can be readied on earth. And this is a front of the warfare. The enemy does not like the building of the church because he knows every amount that the church grows in maturity and becomes like the bride, it's his death bell. And third, there's warfare on the front of the transformation of his army from natural men to spirit-filled overcomers. It's sort of like that story of David while he was hiding in the caves from King Saul and a lot of desperados came and joined themselves to David. But David so influenced their lives that by the time David finally became king, these desperados had become famous men. Men of renown. Men of character. Men you could depend on. Men who were good warriors. How did that change take place? In relation to David, these, uh, these rascals became men of uh, valor and uh, strength. And so that's, that's the warfare going on right now. He's got a, look at the army he's got. There's a lot of shoring up, a lot of strengthening that's going to have to go on here. But of course, the great war, as we're looking this weekend, is spirit versus flesh. The front of our interest this weekend is the warfare within. Now, there's a lot of things going on externally, a lot of spiritual conflict out there. For a lot of Christians, the conflict is right here. Spirit versus flesh. That's what we're going to look at. You know, these are in line with the verses we're studying during this weekend. Now, we're going to, we're going to try to learn this uh, noble warfare by looking at three things, learning three things before we go to the battle. The first is to know the enemy. The second is to know the weapons of our warfare. And the third is to know the strategy to victory over the flesh. Now, this is what we're going to try to deal with as we're together for these couple of times. The first thing is knowing the enemy. And what is the enemy? Do you, you catch a hint yet? Listen. But I say to you, walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh for the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit. And the Spirit is against the flesh. For these are in opposition one to another so that you may not do the things that you please. The flesh fights the Spirit. The flesh and the Spirit are at enmity. They're opposite, dueling uh, 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 entities. There is this power, desire of the Spirit. There's this desire of the flesh. And they are incompatible. They're permanently opposed. And whenever anybody does anything in the flesh, the Spirit stands and fights against it. It's a very interesting thing that happens in your life. How you're tootling along with the Lord and everything's okay. And then you do something in the flesh and suddenly there's a little warfare going on inside. That's what we're talking about. And notice it says at the end there of Galatians 5.17, you may not do the things that you please. Meaning the things you'd like to do as a Christian you're not able to do. It keeps us from freedom. Now wait a minute. Now We need to go back uh, just a couple of verses from this whole matter of walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Look what Paul says in Galatians 5.13. You were called to freedom. Isn't that wonderful? 
that you're called to freedom. Your life should reflect a freedom in the Spirit. A life of freedom. Do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in this uh, one statement. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Freedom, love, grace. Sounds simple, right? We're called to freedom. Should be simple. But wait a minute. What are these uh, things here? Walking in the Spirit should be automatic, right? Just like these dudes. It's as easy as putting one foot out in front of the other. Walking in the Spirit. We've been called to freedom, which means no laws. But then what's this law about love? I mean, now we're under some kind of law? And what is this about freedom could be an opportunity for the flesh? Why, if you were set completely free, you would only do good, wouldn't you? We have some kind of a thing in us, a battle, that's a downward tendency. And if we got the desires of our heart to do whatever we wanted, guarantee most of us would self-destruct within a couple of years. There's something there that's called the flesh. And we're going to have to deal with it if we're going to walk in this freedom to which we were called. So what it looks like is this. Walking is not so automatic. Walking is guard duty. Walking is something we have to learn to do and be careful to do. We may be born of the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, and still not be walking in the Spirit. Now that seems very strange, especially, you know, you heard our brother Lucio this morning. I love our brother Lucio. I'm glad he's not a salesman. If he were a salesman, I would buy everything that he sells. His way is so nice. He says, here is this car. You must really try it. It's so wonderful. <laughs> I would buy the car. You know what I mean? He just bought a guitar. I want to have this guitar now. He says, oh, it's so wonderful. You know, he, he, He's a great salesman, you know. And he's talking about this life in the Spirit being born again. But, you know, it's possible to be born again and not be walking in the Spirit. There's an enemy to our walking in the Spirit called the flesh. And we have to learn how to overcome it. Now, Alusio mentioned, you all know this, but just to set the groundwork, because some may not have been here this morning. In the Bible, flesh is actually defined in four different ways. The first couple are very simple. You, you would know them immediately. Sometimes it refers to the actual meat on a physical body. So it talks about cutting up the flesh of an animal in a sacrifice. It talks about when uh, Eve, you know, when, when little mini Adam came out of Eve's side, it said, the, you know, the flesh was closed back up. It just means your skin, you know, and the meat on your body. Sometimes it refers to all living creatures. The Bible says, let all flesh keep silence before God. And it means let all living creatures be silent in awe of God. Sometimes it refers to a man's life in his body. And so it says of Jesus in John 1.14, And the Word became flesh, and that means became into a human body. And Paul says in Galatians 2.20, the second half, the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. That means our earthly life as we're walking on this earth. But look at the yellow one. Because that's the one that Paul's talking about in Galatians 5. Sometimes flesh refers to the corrupt life and the actions 
of fallen mankind, flesh, attitudes, actions, born out of fallen man's own ideas of what he wants, what is right, and all of that stuff. All right. Now to understand it a little bit, we're going back to the garden. Now look at that. Isn't that pretty? There's Adam and Eve. There's a little garden. There's a little doggy. And all of this kind of stuff. All right. Now, before the fall, man was free. He had a body. And this body had normal uh, sex, food, and protection needs. He wasn't a pervert. But he was certainly interested in a sexual life. He was interested in food. But he wasn't a glutton. He wanted protection. But he wasn't paranoid. It was normal. His body had these normal needs. That's freedom. When the body expresses these normal needs. Now, in the soul, the soul of Adam and Eve, they were normal. They had a normal curiosity to know, to feel, and to achieve. You see, the soul is the seat of these three things. Our intellect, our emotions, and our will. And so man had a normal curiosity. Gee, I want to know. That's how he got into trouble with the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He had a curiosity. His mind is wanting to search out his emotions. He's feeling a range of emotions, different over different things. The beauty of the world, his community with God, you know, just so many things. He's curious about those emotions and also his will. What could he do? What could he accomplish? I want to do this. How does that work? His soul was free, as well as his body. Uh, this, this right here, uh, I took an x-ray of Adam. That's basically it right there. Body, soul, spirit. And, of course, his spirit. His spirit had a normal spiritual conscience. You know what a normal conscience is? When you do wrong, you realize it's wrong. When you do right, it makes you feel free and happy. You're sensitive to, am I getting into trouble? See, when Adam and Eve did something wrong, they knew it was wrong. Their conscience was already going, overload, overload, overload. Don't do that. Don't do that. The only trouble was their soul said, ooh, this looks good. This looks tasty. I want this. I want to be smart. And so their soul spoke up and their spirit's still small voice was ignored and they got into trouble. But before the fall, body, soul, spirit, free, functioning, normal. And if we as Christians can get back to this, we will live a free and blessed life. After the garden, man has fallen. Now he's walking. Uh, he's a walking dead man. Now man is now living by the flesh. That means he's living by his natural desires, his natural two-dimensional thinking. He's being driven by his, his lusts. Without God and without reference to God. And so something has gone wrong with body, soul, and spirit. Let's just look at it for a minute. The body becomes insecure. Suddenly, uh, the, uh, the body develops abnormal desires called lusts for food, sex, and protection. Now, so there's people all the time who's, whose body is now ruling them because they're absolutely obsessed with this stuff. Because they feel so insecure. Oh, I don't know. Am I going to have food for tomorrow? Oh, so, so. I better eat uh, 5,000 calories now. Some people, oh, am I going to have protection? And so they almost build a fortress around them. I mean, 
I saw one episode of this reality show called Hoarders. I could not believe it. That people, have you ever seen that show? It's people who have a regular house and they're completely full up hoarding everything. Old newspapers, plastic bags, and you can't even walk in the house. There's such a neurosis and an insecurity there. And of course, you know, sexual perversion is actually based in some kind of a insecurity and desire to have satisfaction that it can never happen because it's not normal to start with. The soul, because it broke its relationship to God, the soul feels such an emptiness inside. How do I fill the emptiness? I've got to fill it with self. got to fill it with self. Self-fulfillment. Self-centeredness. I am the center. It's me. i got to do this and I got to do this by doing one of three things. And everybody in this room, I can guarantee you this. You have developed a strength in one of these three things. Either your your mind is strong, too strong, full of pride, self-confidence. Your emotions are strong, and you're able to influence people by your emotions. You've developed a strength there. It's a, it's a compensating strength. And some have developed a strong will, like the Apostle Paul. I will do anything. That sounds just like Satan. I will become like God. This is a will that's out of focus, out of center. But it's something that i got to do because I sense this emptiness. How do I fill it? A strong mind. That's how I'll do it. That's how I'll overcome. That's how I'll dominate and so the soul becomes the dominant part of our lives, and the soul dominates either in the mind or the emotions or the will. Which one are you? You're actually probably too young to know at the present time. You go into school, you think you're pretty smart, but mm, that might not be it. Yeah, we'll see what time. And then the spirit. Now the spirit broke communion with God, and now fear and guilt replaces that normal sense of communion and conscience. A distorted conscience develops. A developing of religion starts, and we, we find ways of sacrificing so that God will be pleased. We throw our little sister into the volcano to try to get the God of volcanoes to stop, and all kinds of stuff. Religion is man-made compensation for a spirit that's out of communion with the living God. And all of this is abnormal. So when we get to the definition that Paul uses here of the lust of the flesh, he writes a short list here. This is not ex extensive or, or complete. But just listen to this. In Galatians 5.19, Now the deeds of the flesh are evident. And here they are. Now the first three he mentions right here are body. Distortions of body. Flesh, body, corruption, bondage. They are immorality, impurity, sensuality. These things are along with drunkenness and carousing. You know, the list goes on there. Uh, uh, drunkenness, carousing, immorality, impurity, sensuality, these are all corrupted lusts of the natural, physical body. Galatians 5 goes on with the list here. Idolatry, sorcery. Let's just stop a moment, because now there is two things that happen when our spirit dies to God himself. Our spiritual life remains the same, but now we're seeking witchcraft, now we're seeking all kinds of sorcery or superstition. We're looking into astrology. We're looking at crystals. We're into all kinds of ridiculous stuff 
Somehow I gotta find. I gotta find God. I gotta try to be accepted by God. I, I gotta, so there we are with idolatry and sorcery, and then the soul. And because of the soul self-centeredness, all of these things result: schisms, strife, jealousy, envyings, disputes, dissensions. And the fact that you have a fight with your sister is because you still have some fleshly matters there. You're competing. You want to be on top. And so what happens to a person who lives in the flesh is this. In the end, they know they are always right. Now, when you hear somebody who, obviously you have to live with them long enough to realize they always think they're right. You're dealing with somebody who's got a real problem there. It's one of these lusts of the flesh. There's something going wrong. It's a delusion. And so we see this enemy called the flesh in its ugliness. Now the result of the fleshly life, however you look at it emotionally, intellectually, or whatever, the result is you become a strong, independent, arrogant, proud soul. Man's flesh must boast. Our boast is about how great I am and what I've done and what I've accomplished and why you don't appreciate me because I am this and I am that. Man's flesh must boast. Why? It has no reward except to boast about itself. If you're the center of the universe, hey, you've got a lot to talk about. All right? And all such attitudes of arrogance, self-sufficiency, pride, call it as nice a word as you want, it's loathsome to the Holy Spirit. The flesh and all boasting is lo- That's why it says God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. God doesn't even like it when we're proud and arrogant, self-confident. He doesn't even like it. It's, it's, it's an enmity with His very spirit. Do you know God's problem in dealing with us is He's so much more humble than we are. You think God is arrogant up there, pushing his way around. I'm telling you, God is so humble. He's just like Jesus. More humble than you and I are. And it's a real awakening the day you see the Lord Jesus and you see his heart and you realize that he's below you because he's taken a humbler place. And you're up here all full of your needs and all this kind of stuff. Well, the Bible calls this the old man. The old man walks in the flesh. He has no other choice. All he can do is walk in the flesh. The sins of the flesh had bound us. Look at that flesh. Oh, he's evil. He's got this guy all bound up. The flesh is, we're bound in flesh and driven by sins. As it says in Romans chapter 7 verse 5, while we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in the members of our body to bear the fruit of death. Paul says in Romans 7:24, Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from this body of death? Because you know what you are? You're a zombie. You're walking, but you're not alive and you're not free because you're in bondage. You know, here's the, one of the uh, greatest deceptions of the enemy. It's this. You are doing what you want to do. But when we live in the flesh, we're not doing what we want to do. We're doing what we're driven to do. 
and we're driven to do things by a force more powerful than us, which we are slaves to. It's that flesh that's got us bound and walking around a dead man. Thank God, of course, I know I had to bring all that out just to show you what the flesh is, because it's that all B.C. experience before Christ. But when Jesus saved us from our sins, He also dealt with our flesh on the cross. How wonderful. Our sins are forgiven and flesh is crucified. Now we know our sins are forgiven. But the Scriptures say our flesh has been crucified with Christ. In Romans 8.3, For what the law could not do weak as it was through the flesh, God did sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and as an offering for sin, He condemned sin in the flesh. And Galatians 5.24 is not talking about something future. Past tense. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Those who belong to Christ Jesus. Do you belong to Christ Jesus? Then you have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Now, because we're Christians, we can walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Flesh no longer has dominion over us. So Paul can say, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. Romans 8.12 So then, brethren, we are not under obligation to the flesh to live according to the flesh. No. Not anymore. Now as Christians, we can walk by the Spirit. Before we were Christians, we could only walk by the flesh. Romans 6.14, For sin shall not have dominion over you. You're not under the law, but under grace. No longer dominated, set free by the cross of Jesus Christ. So the enemy, the flesh, corrupted, old man, old thinking, Old attitudes, self-centered, self, 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 self. That's the enemy. Now we need to know the weapons of our warfare. And these weapons are very simple, and we know them all. But brothers and sisters, I wonder how seriously you really take this. Because in the warfare, believing in these simple weapons is the difference between victory and defeat. And so we share them simply by way of introduction tonight. Here we go. Of course, weapon number one. As we join the noble warfare, we quickly learn the importance of the Word of God. The Word of God. It's essential. It's reliable. It's our manual for battle. And the new recruit learns a very important lesson. And this, If you come to this point where you've learned this lesson, you have already stepped a little ways down the road it's to live by the word and not by feeling. You know, you've seen this little choo-choo train the illustration before. So many people live by their feelings and not by the word of God. Now the Bible says, let God be true though every man is a liar. I don't care what you feel. The place to start out is what does the word of God say about me? Now that I'm in Christ Jesus, what does the word of God say about me? So just as an example, as you learn to live by the Word of God, here's an here's illustration. Now the Word says your flesh has been crucified. We already mentioned that. Listen, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. 
And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Now, here's the question. Are you walking in the Word? Do you believe that the Word of God is true? Do you walk in the truth of it? Or do you walk in your feelings? Now, do you see what I'm saying? Now, what's true? You've been crucified with Christ or you're feeling, oh, I'm not crucified, I'm still living in the flesh. Until you stack up and believe the Word of God instead of your own uh, sort of uh, partial understanding of things, the quicker on you'll get into the spiritual warfare. Now there's a man who's walking in the Word. He believes those words. And he walks them. So it's a question, do you believe it's true? Or do you believe your feelings? And so we come back to the little train again. What's driving your train? The fact of the Word of God? Or have you got the caboose on the front, your feelings? See, if you have the facts of the Word of God and you exercise faith, those feelings will come. You'll, you'll come to see that He's gained the victory. But if you don't start from the Word of God, you have no basis. There's no way we're going to learn to walk by the Spirit instead of the flesh until you come to the place where you believe the Word of God and begin to stand on it by faith. Right? And so the first thing I want to say about the noble soldier is this. A noble soldier believes and obeys the Word of God. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know if you think you're a soldier. I don't know if you realize there's a warfare. But here is the deal. There's so many Christians who are saved by grace and they have no concern for obeying the Word of God. Now, if you don't want to obey the Word of God, then don't even come to a conference about walking in the Spirit. If you just pick and choose and do what you want, then how are you going to walk in the Spirit? <laughs> there's a famous preacher. You know, there's a C.T. Studd who was a famous missionary who went out to three places and ended up in Africa. He's a great missionary. And when F.B. Myers was a young preacher, uh, he, he uh, spent some time, actually uh, C.T. Studd stayed in his house when he was a young minister. And C.T. Studd was always up early in the morning. And so uh, the, this F.B. Myers got up to find out what's going on. Finally, he knocked on the door and talked to him. He said, what are you doing? Four o'clock in the morning. He says, I am reading the word to see if there's any command from my master that he wants me to obey today. Now, I'll show you a man right there who's walking in the Spirit. And he's taking the Word of God seriously. Now, I'm glad that you came to this weekend, that you took your Bible. I hope you didn't have to blow dust off it. Because I know your keyboard is all grimy and greasy from your usage uh, and your computer. But how about your Bible? Are you studying? Are you obeying? Are you believing? Soldier, you're in a warfare. This is your first weapon. Now the second weapon. Of course, we're reading this matter of walking by the Spirit, but here's the thing. It is the Spirit of God that's your weapon. He is the one who gets the victory over your flesh. Now, are you going to be able to gain the victory over your flesh? <laughs> if you think you can, well, you're going to be in for some frustrating times. But the fact of the matter is it's the Spirit of God who gives you the victory. As you're walking by the Spirit, you don't fulfill the desires of the flesh, as it says in Galatians 5.16. Or look at Romans 1, 2, and 4. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, 
For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. So that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Walking according to the flesh or walking according to the Spirit, it's your choice, but it's the Holy Spirit that's the second foot down. Your first step down is the Word of God. Your second step in this walk is believing that the Holy Spirit will fill you and strengthen you in this spiritual walk. So the second command, very simple. A noble soldier is equipped and led by the Spirit of God. If you're led by the Spirit of God, you do not fulfill the lust of the flesh, but are you allowing the Spirit to lead you in your daily life? Well, you have to look at that some more. Now the third weapon. This is the last weapon we'll mention tonight. The daily power of presenting. You know what that is? The daily power of presenting of the members of your body in consecration and service to your Lord and Captain, Jesus Christ. There's a secret in consecration. You know that verse in Romans 12. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. Present your bodies. Look at Romans 6. Also talking about presenting the members of your body to God. Listen. And do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Now, you know, you get up in the morning and you present yourself to God. You say, here are the members of my body, here's my mind, here's my hands, here's my feet, here's my body. I give it to you today, I present it to you. Now, you know, if you present that to God in faith, He takes you and He keeps you for that day. He keeps you for that hour. He keeps you until you say, okay, I want that back. Now, if you walk by the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lusts of the flesh. But here you are presenting yourself unto God. So there was a famous uh, evangelist many years ago, and he made these simple uh, pictures to show the contrast between a self-centered life of a Christian. He's a Christian now. Because you see Jesus is in his life, that cross there. But he's on the outside of the very center of the life. There's a throne or a chair there, and self, S, self is on the throne. And when self is on the throne, your life is all over the place. Those dots are all out of order. The second picture is your life under the throne of Christ. Christ is on the throne and yourself is yielded beneath the throne and your life is in order and led by the Lord. Now this sounds like a very simple thing, but I tell you brothers and sisters, you may hear this many times, but until the day you die, this matter of coming under the throne of the Lord Jesus is absolutely essential if you want to seriously walk in the Spirit. And so there we see a noble soldier has surrendered all to his captain. Have you ever done that? Now that you're a Christian, you have an option. You can surrender all to the Lord Jesus. And He'll take you at your word. And He'll keep you. And He'll teach you this noble warfare. There's a lot to learn. But it all starts with this, the essential realities 
You believe by faith in the Word of God. You live and walk by the power of the Holy Spirit, not your own power. And you live under the throne of the Lord Jesus in a daily surrender. Now, you can be a brand new Christian, but if you do these things, you'll find yourself able to walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh. Now, the third thing, knowing the strategy to victory over the flesh, we're going to look at that next time. This is all for tonight. But I want you to think about your place in this warfare going on. There's a big warfare going on right now. A warfare in the heavenlies. There's a warfare here on earth with thrones and dominions and powers and everything. And there's a warfare going on in the hearts of Christians. Where do you stand in the warfare? Who has the upper hand in this warfare? Are you fighting the good fight? Keeping faith and a good conscience? As Paul told to his dear son in the faith, Timothy, these are absolutely vital. I, I, I don't want to give you a lot of fluff and I don't want to tell you a lot of things or tell you it's going to be easy. But then we're, if we're going to look at the strategy of victory over the flesh, we have to start on this basis. The Word of God, filled with the Spirit, yielded to the Lord. If you're in that kind of position, then we can learn how to walk as we live in the Spirit, to walk in the Spirit and know that freedom and the victory. Dear brothers and sisters, our Christian life is so much more than just having our sins forgiven. There's so much more that the Lord wants for our lives. There's so much more of a testimony for us to give through our lives. But it involves us coming to the Lord, asking Him, yielding to Him, and knowing these basic now let's just have a prayer before we end tonight. I want everybody to bow their heads. As we talk about these things, but I'm I'm looking just for people who are serious about the Lord, and that involves being serious about the Word of God. I'm amazed when I go places and I see brand new Christians sometimes. But all they got is the Lord Jesus and the Word of God. And they're able to do such amazing things in the Lord and walk in such a pure and wonderful way. And when I see that, I say sometimes, what's wrong with the saints of the United States? They're all over the place. So carnal, so self-centered. What is the problem? And I do believe a lot of it has to do with their trust in the Word of God. You know, the times I've been out to India, uh, you know what happens. Uh, Many times, uh, okay, you can open your eyes, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm trailing off into things. When I was in India, I was very impressed by something. When they preached the gospel to somebody and the person got saved, one of the first things they did was make sure that person had a Bible. Now, a lot of times, a number of times, the people who received the Bible didn't know how to read. They learned how to read, reading the Bible. Many of those dear saints, they tr go everywhere they go. They got these big black Bibles like this size. And everywhere they go, they take them with them. Because the Word of God is their life. Now, they face a lot of persecution, a lot of pressure, and even more in this present day for their faith. But they believe in the Word of God. I see it in Russia. Brand new Christians. They're just devouring the Word of God. They believe the Word of God. It, the Bible says to do something, they do it. Now, do you believe the Word of God? I know it's there. 
Do you believe? All right, now you can bow your head. Lord, I just uh, thank you that we could be together tonight. I thank you for my brothers and sisters. And I know that we're here together for purpose. But Lord, I pray that your spirit would be able to have enough, find enough conscience to convict us and to make us true soldiers. Soldiers who are equipped for those weapons that are essential in this noble fight. I pray for my dear brothers and sisters. Some of them really hang on that word and learn it and read it. Meditate on it. Praise God. And strengthen them, Lord, to stand on the word and believe it as they do this noble warfare. And for others that are just lazy about it and don't believe your word is a living word, oh, Lord, do touch their hearts. Make them students of the word, even as uh, Paul told Timothy to be. We pray for that. And then, Lord, we know there's just no way on earth that we're going to fight a noble fight and uh, walk in the Spirit unless we're filled with the Spirit. And I pray for young ones who are here tonight who have never really been filled with the Holy Spirit. They don't know what that means. Oh, Lord, that they might have the humility to seek that supply, that power of that life the Holy Spirit's leading and power to overcome the flesh. Lord, I pray that many will respond to this call to be full of the Holy Spirit. And then, Lord, we want to take all of our lives tonight as an offering and present them to you as a living sacrifice. Oh, Lord, if we only present them, then you can keep them. Lord, I pray for those who have presented themselves in the past, but now have kind of gotten off the altar, just kind of doing things their own way, once again, back in that carnal place, that they might realize they're not fighting the good fight, that they're losing the war. Oh, bring us to that place of consecration where we present our members to you and live it out. How we thank you, Lord, that you're leading us into this calling of walking in the Spirit and bearing wonderful fruit. Oh, may it be that we could all be fruitful and overflowing with life because by Your grace we're able to walk in this liberty. Lord, do seal these words in the words of my brother Lucio and the various workshops and discussions that they, we've had today. We pray that You give us a good night's rest tonight and then tomorrow a further heart to pursue Your Word and Your Spirit under your throne. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen.